really honing in to, first and foremost, is distraction. Uh, And I don't think we can identify what we really want to do unless we really hone in and recognize, like, what is it that is distracting us away from what our big goals are? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Trail Running Women, where we interview women who run trails, sometimes 5K, sometimes ultras, sometimes they win, sometimes they come DFL. I really appreciate all of the guest suggestions. Keep those coming. You can find me at hillsport55 on Instagram, and that is where you can get a link to the Patreon, where I talk about my training blog, and I just did a half marathon recap, and then the next one is going to be the full marathon, which is coming up quick, Ah! and then I will be doing a recap of my husband Andy and I's training and racing together for our five-year anniversary race, which I'm not going to tell you guys what it is yet. Um, You'll have to wait and see, and trust me, it is going to be on your bucket list of your destination races for sure. If you want to leave us a rating and review, that's really helpful as well. And the one thing I'm going to beg of you guys today is to help new trail runners find our show. So please screenshot your favorite episode or this episode, whichever episode, and tag a friend and put it in your story and tag me. Again, that's Hillsport55. And let's keep growing our amazing community of badass lady runners because I know that listeners find each other and talk. So you end up with like a wealth of other runners to ask questions to, to bounce off ideas, and people to jog with when you go on holiday. So today we have a fun guest. We're speaking with Mandy Gill, who is our first keynote speaker, actually. And so she has an amazing athletic career and background, running distances up to 100K in some very challenging races, is an ex-professional crossfit crossfit athlete and was sponsored by Reebok and kind of took everything that she learned from athletics and began speaking about health and fitness on the radio and went to broadcasting school and is now keynote speaker for corporations talking about behavior change and how to go after your goals and taking what she's learned from competing and succeeding in the most difficult environments on the planet and how to transfer that into your daily life, which is kind of cool because we do talk about that parallel between what it takes to get through a really grueling ultra and how that can apply to everything in your life from parenting to work to school and so on. So it was really fun. We kind of got a bit of behind the scenes about how she got into this and what her struggles are and what her goals are, but also just got a lot of great tips that she does talk about in some of her speaking engagements. So you can find Mandy on Instagram at at mandygill.com. And I will link to all of that in the show notes. She has a link tree there where you can go through her website and her other speaking engagements and YouTube and all of the stuff. She's got it. You can check it out there. So quick word from today's sponsor. We are brought to you by Gooder Sunglasses. So it is summertime. It is the time to get a huge variety of sunglasses. So as you guys know, these are the best sunglasses you can wear running because they look amazing. They're not so expensive that if you have to do a river crossing or a lake crossing and you drop them in the bottom that your heart breaks, they have absolutely fantastic fun colors we are a fun podcast. We should be dressing fun because if you're having a good time, you run better. Science. 
They are also polarized. They don't slip. They don't bounce. And that is the main thing that I like, that they are actually a very lightweight. And then I've talked about it this before, the variety of lens colors that you can get to make sure that you can see the varied terrain that we run in, whether it be the top of a mountain and you need something to really deal with glaring sun, or if you are in and out of trails with shadows, but still need to see technical ground. That is the main thing that has made me fall in love with these sunglasses. So go over to gooder.com backslash TRW to see my favorites and peruse gooder.com to check out your favorite pairs and use discount code TRW for free shipping on as many pairs as you'd like. So instead of having to decide on all of the ones that you want now, you can just get one at a time and still get free shipping with discount code TRW. Our next sponsor is Janji. So Janji Apparel has been a sponsor of the show for a little while, and I'm absolutely loving running in the super lightweight material while we've been through this heat wave, as well as the super awesome colors. So Janji is dedicated to exploring, connecting, and giving back through running. So one of the things that I love about them is that they give 2% of all of their top line sales back to supporting clean water organizations around the world. And the more I learn about that, the more I realized how important that actually is. So they make trail and road running essentials that are focused on sustainability, durability, and performance. And some of their new trail running favorites are the multi-shorts and the trail short. And both of them have more than five pockets. So if you don't feel like wearing a pack that day, you can still support your full day adventure and carry all of the food, sunglasses, gels, phone, everything that you need. So each season, they focus on an area of the world that struggled with clean water. And this spring and summer, 2023, they are based in the French West West Indies. So if you guys want 15% off of your first purchase, go to www.janji.com, that's J-A-N-J-I, and use discount code TRW15, and you get 15% off your first outfit. And then please do tag me in Instagram, Hillsport 55. Okay, welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. Today we have a fabulous guest, actually, that's not only a runner, but a motivational speaker, a coach, and many other things. And we are going to get into all of those portions of your life, if we can, in the short time that we have. So welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you, Hillary, for having me. This is, I mean, I have listened to this podcast for years, and it's, it's, feels surreal to be chatting with you on it. So thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) Well, I love to hear that. So let's, before, as you probably know, if you've listened, we like to talk about the athletic history that you have kind of find out how you got into running, but I want to take a little bit of a different route with you and maybe get a better description about what you do for people in terms of speaking and motivation and give us kind of a, a brief bio on that aspect of your life. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I'll take it back to kind of when it all started to to come together. Um, and it actually came together from um, being at one of the lowest uh, points in my life. And I had gone through a stage of area in my later teens, uh, probably up until about 18 years old. And uh, I mean, you think you can hide it. Um you think that nobody notices or, or truthfully cares in those types of moments, which sounds so weird now, but uh, that's me being totally vulnerable. And so at the age of 18, I went through a program with a counselor and I recall her saying to me that 
why do you want to start on Monday, you know, to start fueling your body properly? Why do you want to start doing it uh, tomorrow morning? All those things that you tell yourself right down to like, I'll start January 1st and it's like March. So um, in a nutshell, she challenged me in that moment and she said, why don't you just start now? And again, at the age of 18 years old, I had no idea. I wish I could thank this woman. It was actually, actually through the Children's Hospital in Alberta that I was put through this program. And uh, she, in that moment, was like, it was a pivotal point in my life. And I walked out of um, out of the office that day and I was out of her office. And I thought to myself, you know what? She's completely right. Let's, if I can't start now, I'm not going to start tomorrow morning or Monday or whatever it might be. And so that really funneled me into this understanding of fueling my body properly for the experiences that I could start to bring into my life because I was actually fueled properly. And so that is actually what took me out of my anorexia, thank goodness. And that is now a huge, you know, part of the past that I can look to other people now that, you know, might know somebody in their life that have gone through it or have been through it themselves. And there's just so much common ground. Um, I genuinely believe, you know, society brings us um, all sorts of certain directions through influence and, the great part is, is that at that point in time, I had actually decided at the age of 18, uh, going on 19, that I was going to go into broadcasting school. So I moved from Alberta out to Vancouver and uh, started a broadcasting school. And so my career actually evolved into um, morning show co-hosting, afternoon show co-hosting of the Top 40 Radio Morning Station that's in Vancouver. And through that, I started to really notice that uh, many of the topics I bring to the table as the co-host always centered around health, wellness, um, you know, adventure, those types of aspects. And so I would always get emails from listeners. And at that point, I started to really notice that Sirius XM was coming into play, um, podcasts, which uh, was a really interesting thing because we had always been controlled in the broadcasting industry by how many commercials we play so that we could get paid, truthfully. <laughs> That's why the commercials air, so that we on air can get paid and run some awesome contests and all that type of stuff. So um, I went to the vice president of, it was Bell Media, and uh, I don't know where I got this courage from, but it was in 2012. And I sat in his office and I said, I want to start doing segments on CTV uh, in way of fitness and wellness. And whatever that looks like for the viewers, I will bring it, you know, right to the table and I'll do this, you know, pro bono. I don't need compensation. I'm getting paid as a co-host, but I can really tell my creativity isn't being exercised. And he said to me, you know what, Mandy, why don't you come in next week and do um, a presentation, if you will, for me of what you're going to do as your first segment. So I got it all together. I came in and uh, he goes, perfect. You're on air. And the first day ever was February 1st, 2012, February 14th, pardon me, 2012. And I ended up doing 52 segments for the next 52 weeks. So a full year of them and uh, continued through doing them monthly up until probably about 2018. So from that point forward, it was kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, I, I just want to kind of say like the synchronicity. I don't know how to say that. It, it really started to just kind of blend together of my own athletic enjoyment. And at that time, I was heavily involved in CrossFit, um, CrossFit regionals at the time, um, and then games looking towards that as a team aspect. So yeah, it just, it started to evolve and, and, 
I mean, I don't even know how to say it led into keynote speaking, but <laughs> I think it was a lot of the television aspect and that professional approach that now led into corporate speaking about it. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like you were also very young because as we were just chatting about, uh, so what are we thinking, 11 years ago? Yeah, you would have been 26-ish, which is a very young age to be able to articulate your thoughts and things that actually did help you change your habits. And obviously from a very serious kind of medical condition with anorexia as well. So do you think that as you were kind of growing, you were also learning or as you were doing more of these engagements, you were also kind of learning more about how people can change and improve. And then that was adding on to what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a definite uh, foundation to that. And I found um, that there was a, just a lot of fear surrounding people moving forward. And I mean, I was one of them, right? And I still am one of them to this day. Uh, and there's something that I heavily rely on. And it's, you know, as I'm going out and I'm doing these things in terms of um, putting my body to certain tasks and whatever that might be, I always try to think of courage over comfort. And that to me, interestingly enough, plays largely into what we see in every other aspect of life as well. So, I mean, we can speak to the running side of things, but this happens day to day within office environments, um, within big business decisions. And it truthfully is, I mean, I will never be the first person to finish a race or the fastest or anything like that. And I preface that largely when I'm speaking with organizations because um, I do use a lot of the experiences uh, that I've been through in order to, to preface the stories. But at the end of the day, it's like there's so much that we do in this level of sport that actually completely uh, mimics what we do in our professional life as well. For sure. And so the things that you have done are also so extreme. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're not coming first, you're still running 100k in the trails and doing CrossFit competitions. So how do you You talk about corporate speaking engagements? How are you relating this to people in business and trying to achieve new things? So with regards to, um, <laughs> it's interesting, back in 2018, I was asked for my first speaking event. And I remember it was for the World Fitness Expo. So I'll give you a little bit of background on this. I remember when I started uh, doing fitness segments uh, on television and wellness segments for CTV, I had said that, you know, like at that time, it was like, you were so sweet to mention, you know, the age piece and being so young. Uh, in the radio portion, I was one of the absolute youngest co-hosts to ever be on Canadian top 40 radio morning shows. Um, I think I was the youngest, but I still need to confirm that. Just haven't gone down that rabbit hole. And so these are huge decisions very, very early on. And then into at the age of 26 as well, when I was uh, starting to do these segments and deciding to uh, branch out and start my own business, I was really in the way of like envisioning and, you know, vision boards. And that was huge for me at that time. And so on my vision board at that point, I had actually put Jillian Michaels, the biggest loser I think that was the show that she was on she just like she was this total badass that would yes. um you, you remember right she would yeah. like, tell people very bluntly and I was like you know what I absolutely adore that everybody thinks on the outside I am so sweet and it's like one of the biggest feedbacks that I get is like Mandy will make you do the work and I'm like that's pretty great you know to be visualized on the outside as like sweet you're going to get away with a ton of things all right this is going to be an easy coast and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh okay no I actually have to do the work and so 
with regards to Jillian Michaels, I had put her picture on my vision board, looked at it every morning when I was brushing my teeth. And interestingly enough, I got to meet her in, I guess it would have been a couple weeks before doing my first television segment. So I met with her backstage and I said to her, you know, what is the number one thing that you would recommend when you're talking to an audience? And, you know, your audience is a very large number. It's a very large demographic. And she says, talk to the person that is sitting on the couch that has not gotten off the couch for probably, you know, like three days. And, and then you will really capture your whole audience. And so that was something that very much so resonated with me. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. I mean, you want to pretty much grasp the attention of the mom that is making uh, lunches for their kids while the television on is on mute and goes over to the remote and turns it off of mute so she can hear the volume. So that was like my biggest driver. It was to really create captivating content. And we knew back then, uh, my boss always was very much so in the standpoint of you've got five seconds to gain somebody's attention or to immediately lose it. So that was my whole broadcasting career. And then I actually maintained that going into contracting myself out uh, to CTV. And at that time, I was sponsored by Reebok for CrossFit. And uh, that was a really fun experience. But in 2018, I got to do my first ever speaking event. And it was the World Fitness Expo that asked me to come and speak on stage. And I thought, I've got absolutely nothing to lose. So this is to answer your question, sorry, the long way into like how it transitioned to corporate. And I got the, you know, program show notes and all that kind of stuff. And like, okay, Nancy, you need to be on stage at 1.15 in the afternoon. Well, preceding me on stage was Jillian Michael. And so it was a very full circle moment where it, you know, was somebody who six years ago had uh, helped me largely in starting this. And then to literally take the stage before she got on, I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. Like, this is something that I can get used to. So a lot of what I would do previous, um, in previous years to 2020 was to work more so on the wellness point with, uh, corporations and really bringing that, um, action of movement and awareness of healthy habits into workplaces. And then all of a sudden that transitioned even more so into working with companies when it comes to leadership, when it comes to building resilience and really honing into that courage over comfort conversation. Yeah, it's funny, like you say them as two different topics, but they really are the same thing, aren't they? Oh, completely. And truthfully, like, if we look at this, like, don't get me wrong, in the world of speaking, we've got our buzzwords, like mental health, we have got, um, you know, obviously leadership, we've got employee engagement, we've got employee retention, we've got loyalty, we've got honesty, trust, communication, sorry, I could go down this rabbit hole, peak performance, everything is the same thing. It's people showing up feeling yes. the best that they can. And so if you were going to say three ways that you can motivate somebody else to show up the best that they can and to want to show up the best they can, what are your three main tips? I would say really honing in to first and foremost is distractions. Uh, I, and I don't think we can identify what we really want to do. I mean, personally, professionally, whichever way you want to look at it, unless we really hone in and recognize, like, what is it that is distracting us away from what our big goals are? So I oftentimes say, you know, navigating today's distractions uh, while working towards tomorrow's goals. 
So how do we minimize those distractions and how do we minimize the noise? I can honestly say in my experience of training, uh, definitely before I decided to depart from CrossFit and doing that more so on a professional level up until about 2015, um, there was a lot of distractions within that scope. And, you know, social media was becoming more and more apparent. And uh, I will honestly say social media, you know, it can be a, a great generator of connection and it can also be a great reason to escape from what you're really working towards um and it could be kind of like a crutch right and and there's many areas where we have those uh so with regards to answering for the first step i would say you know minimizing distractions and noise so that you can actually number two identify what your goal is and number three is executing a plan that has resiliency built into it in order to actually execute it I love that answer. And I kind of the reason I asked that question is because I thought it would just sort of prove our earlier point, because everything that you said is essentially how you would train for a goal that's outside of your comfort <laughs> zone as well, right? It's so funny how sports really do teach you all of these things. And there's a tendency to work backwards in there as well, right? Yeah, um, yeah take care of this so that we can focus on the goal. So did you find when you were competing in CrossFit and then with trail running that you were also making all of these connections and it was helping when both your professional and athletic? Oh, I don't think I would have my athletic career. Pardon me. I wouldn't have my professional career. Sorry, athletic career. Um, I run for fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I run to eat snacks. Uh, and see some gorgeous views. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I'm so glad we can agree on that one. Um, but I would say that, I mean, if it wasn't for, the community that I created through movement, whether that be running, whether that be CrossFit in my earlier days, um, I would not be where I am career-wise. Yeah, broadcasting, uh, you know, going through that journalism program was essential to what I do now as a speaker, but I would never have had the connections to who I have now that are, you know, return companies or opportunities to, in the world of speaking, we call it a spin. You go on and you, you know, work with a company and immediately someone in the audience is like, we really need to get this topic in, you know, this conference. And so we oftentimes call that a spin. And so it has, my career has evolved immensely due to sport community. There's no question. Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's take a bit of a turn here and go into some of your athletic career. I'm interested in how you got into CrossFit to begin with. And, <laughs> yes. and I want to ask about, I mean, we, we briefly kind of covered through how you got into all of this, having to overcome a lot of things. And then when you get into CrossFit, there is this focus on consuming the calories to perform, but there's also mm -hmm. a very big focus on eating the specific foods and the amounts and yeah. the uh, macros that they say. And I'm wondering also, this is a lot of questions in one, if there no, was a okay. struggle then with just the numbers and the calculations and the focus. Yeah, very, very powerful question. I will start off by telling you that I would have started CrossFit right after moving to Vancouver from Alberta and Calgary, Alberta. And I scared the, I hope I can say this, the crap out of my parents because I have four parents. I have a stepmom, a stepdad, a mom and a dad. And um, they helped me move out to Vancouver to attend broadcasting school. 
And when I say helped me, I mean, put me in a vehicle. We drove two cars from Alberta to BC, um, got me situated in an apartment. They were extremely supportive. They knew that I was quite fragile at the time because I had just come out of this eating disorder and I was working really hard. And, um, you know, school was something that was extremely important. But oftentimes, and this is a very real conversation when you talk about eating disorders that we reference as ED, so ED, is... um, you know, the perfectionism, right? So the perfectionism within your scope of grades as well. So my parents were keeping their eyes very, very closely on me and, you know, left me in Vancouver to, you know, get into broadcasting and and to work towards that. And I promised them I'd be home the day that I graduated. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I am a couple months into broadcasting school and I call up my mom and I tell her that, uh, you know, I found this wonderful gym. And she's like, oh, wow, fantastic. You know, here you are getting into, you know, moving your body and stuff like that. And then I told her what I was getting involved in. And at that time, I will say, like, CrossFit was not really heard of. Uh, 2007, I think, was my first ever class of it. And uh, so she really didn't know what I was getting involved in and probably thought I was standing on the treadmill for five minutes and that I was calling it a really good workout. Um, My dad started to catch wind of what CrossFit was pretty damn quickly. And I I'm certain I nearly put them back into the car to drive from Alberta to BC to pick me up because they were like, oh no, put the brakes on. This is something, you know, that is probably going to send her back into a spiral. Because just like you mentioned, Hillary, there's a lot of calculations involved within the scope of CrossFit, you know, weight that you're lifting to reps that you're getting to macros that you're putting in your body. And I just asked them to trust me. And I said, you know, I really respect where you guys are coming from. I haven't earned your trust prior in this. So uh, just trust me in the fact that this is a community that I'm really feeling grounded with and supported with. And I don't feel like I've ever had this opportunity to test my body in such a healthy capacity with regards to making sure that it's fueled properly in order to have these experiences. And so I learned really darn quickly, like you cannot advance in CrossFit unless you're fueling properly. And when I say properly, I really did my best to not get too much of my head wrapped around what would be, you know, how do I put it this way? I'm, I'm, I've decided through longer uh, experiences to have the choice to become vegan, but I will say, like, I mean, heavily in CrossFit was, like, eat all the bacon, eat all the margarine, and stuff like that, and I just worked my best to not get involved in that, but in 2010, they created something called the sectionals, and so that was the first ever experience on the road to the Games, and uh, 2010, they actually had us up at Squamish at Quest University, which, unfortunately, I don't think is there anymore, and uh, it was a really cool experience, and that was, like, my three years within CrossFit to that point where I was like, I'm just, I'm out here to have a great time on the floor and be tested in way of, you know, what I can lift. And I know I can't do that unless I'm actually feeling myself properly. So in 2011, I guess Reebok would have gotten wind of the regionals that I would have made after the sectionals. And uh, sectionals don't exist anymore. And I think they're actually called super regionals or something like that now. But Anyways, I apologize to anybody listening uh, that is CrossFit related because, as you can tell, I've been out of it quite a few years. Uh, But yeah, so at that time, um, I mean, I had never felt 
stronger in my life in the way of my decisions, in the way of uh, the way that I showed up for myself and for those that I loved and people that I was meeting. Uh, and it was a really exceptional experience. And I wouldn't have tried it for the world. I think the biggest asset that came out of it to me was community. And still to this day, I remember my fiance and I were actually in between homes. Um, we had purchased a home in North Vancouver last summer and we had a, a, a month in between, you know, moving out of our, our place we were in previously till when we took possession of our new house. And I still remember chatting with, you know, the CrossFit community and literally putting something up on Facebook and saying, Hey, does anybody have a home that we can, uh, you know, Airbnb or whatever it might be for one month. And, I looked at him a couple hours later and it had been maybe five hours and literally like 110 out of those 150 comments of people offering up opportunities while they were gone for a month in the summer were all the CrossFit community. And in that moment, it was just like the biggest reminder that these are, I mean, you know, you get involved in sport and they're your people. So to answer your question, uh, CrossFit was a huge um, developing, I would say, like the skills in terms of personally to succeed, but also professionally. Yes, that makes a lot of sense from what I know about it as well. I just, my question was partly because I think if you are not in the right headspace to absorb that information in that community positively, it can also be really tough. And it sounds like you were just ready, which is awesome. You're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And I think, um, I was actually chatting with a girlfriend earlier today going up the grind and we would have started together. I think she started in 2005. So when I walked in in 2007, she's like, I've been here for a long time. Anyways, she was like, how do you find you are competitively now? And I was like, I do not have a competitive bone left in my body except for, you know, the way I show up for myself. And she goes, I still struggle with it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, where do you struggle? And she's like, we just were pressured so heavily at such an early stage to continuously push ourselves. And I can 100% say that I probably saw it from a lens where I had pressured myself so extensive in the way of where I was in my eating disorder that I think I had not seen it in the CrossFit light because I was so fatigued of that. So maybe I just like shut it out. I don't know if that makes sense, but there's something there because uh, even I, a mutual friend of ours, um, I remember we did a race together in 2018 and she arrived at this aid station and it was so sweet because she was trying to motivate me and she's like, all right, you've got to catch up to me. I'm going to get you to the finish line and, or I'm going to beat you to the finish line. And I literally was like, please go ahead. Like, please push forward because I just don't have the interest. And it wasn't that I don't want to push myself. It's that I just don't have, once I've gotten into that experience and I'm living that adventure, there's a piece of me that, you know, has been pushed so heavily by CrossFit. So you are totally spot on that. I think I've just like, I've exhausted that muscle in my body to push forward even more. So I also find that pretty mature because for me, I don't know if I could disconnect the fact that I was speaking to a corporate audience, telling them how to achieve their goal, focus on the end goal, but then in an athletic scenario to stay, mm-hmm. take a step back and say, oh, I don't need to be competitive here. I don't need to prove anything. I can enjoy this for how I want to enjoy it. Where I think I would get caught up in thinking, well, I'm going to have to prove it here so that I 
am proving it yeah. also that this is my mindset when I speak. Um, but what I'm saying that I would do is, is so much more immature and not being kind of comfortable with what you're trying to do. So I think that's quite impressive too, that you're able to separate those. Well, and you know, I thank you for that. And I think truth be told, what I've very much so realized is that I've been able to relate to an audience that I'm speaking with from both sides. And sometimes it's even more powerful to speak to an audience from the perspective of, I don't know how I can say this, like I effed up, you know, like I didn't make this. I, I wasn't able to achieve this. Here's what happened. Here's where I had to reconstruct, you know, I call it course correction. Um, here's where I had to go a different route. Here's what I had to do different. And yes, it's wonderful to have the audience be excited to understand all that you've accomplished. But interestingly enough, I find they relate to me even more so when I say I failed. So I just want to take a quick word to thank our sponsor. This show is brought to you by AG1 from Athletic Greens. So I absolutely love AG1. If I forget to take it first thing in the morning, I will mix it in a really cold glass of water post-workout. And I feel like all the vitamins and minerals get sucked directly into my muscles to help repair from whatever speed or mountain climbing workout that I did. I absolutely love it. And the one thing that keeps me coming back and makes this such an easy routine for me is that is it a powder that actually tastes good. So there was no way I was going to take enough vitamins and minerals to get all of the benefits and the probiotics and the prebiotics that I get from AG1. I needed it to be in a powder, but I was not able to force down green powders that didn't taste good. So the fact that this actually is thirst quenching and a little bit sweet in a healthy way and delicious is sort of the key factor in keeping this habit for me and i'm really really stoked on that so it has been in the lives of people millions of people since 2010 and people like the huberman lab where they are the top experts in the health and fitness aspect vouch for this stuff it's absolutely awesome and i'm starting to get people reach out to me on instagram to tell me that they've use the discount code and that they're loving it. So again, it's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients. And beyond recovery and sleep and gut, it's also energy and mood and so much more. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. That's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP to check it out. Yes, I understand that completely because I think that's why we've had so many listeners to this podcast because they're like, there's enough out there where I hear of these superhuman Courtney Dellwaters crushing these times, but I want to hear from the mid pack or the back of the pack because that's what I relate to. So yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's all about that experience. Um, there was something else that I was going to hit on there and I can't remember what it was. It's going to come back to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's just, there's such value in both of the experiences, right? Yes. So uh, it's fun to push yourself. There's no question. And I get so darn inspired seeing and knowing what you're up to and, and all of those bits and pieces. And I think that you're right. Like, I mean, I look at the fact that, you know, after my fiance and I get married this summer, we, we hope to have children and I'm looking at the fact and I'm like, how am I going to be able to take this step of, 
you know, making sure that I'm not pushing myself too much when I'm pregnant. And believe me, Hillary, I'll be coming to you because <laughs> I'm going to need some serious tips. I see how cute your son is. And I'm like, how did she create this? I know how you created it, but I'm like, how did you get to <laughs> So yeah, your phone might be ringing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And trust me, I still don't know because okay. sometimes I can't even get through breakfast. So it's a, it's a learning experience Perfect. every day. <laughs> so let's go back a little bit to your story. And so you're pretty involved in the CrossFit community. Obviously, it's pretty easy to get into trail running when you're when you're living in North Ann, but talk us through how you sort of transitioned into more of a running as a, a hobby and a goal. Well, funny enough, I was terrified um, because at that time I was still with Reebok, now with Saucony, after taking a couple years off from any type of um, relation in that way. But uh, I was entirely terrified. I actually, being totally honest, and it probably was due to now that I understand more about myself and I understand more about mental health and um, you know, ad admitting where you're at is I was severely burnt out from CrossFit. Uh, that's not something to be proud of, but that's being totally honest. Um, I was competing in the, the, the scope of both individual and team. Uh, we had a lot more opportunities to look games wise when it came to being a team. And so I would, you know, work as hard as I could for the team that was six of us. And so if that would be, you know, I still remember, and I don't even know if this is a good number to this day, but really it doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, you know, deadlifting was my favorite thing to do. And I remember getting up to 385 pounds in a deadlift. And, you know, we had to do things called like the CrossFit total and uh, your max squat. So, you know, getting over that 300 pound spot, uh, those were all huge pieces. And then all of a sudden I started to realize I, I trained three hours a day. I was doing the morning show for a portion of that time. And so I would train right after the morning show and I would train again in the evening, an hour and a half and an hour and a half. And um, again, I just got, I got burnt out and I realized I wasn't loving it anymore. And that was probably one of the biggest like parts of admitting something to myself that I went through because CrossFit was a huge part of my life. And I realized, you know what, no one's going to not be a part of your community anymore or your friends if, if this is what you're deciding to do. And so where I referenced Reebok is I was scared shitless that they were going to be like, sorry, we're going to go on to the next athlete that's out here. And, you know, it was it was fun being with you. And, and I say that because Reebok was like a family and they still are. Uh, they've got a wonderful, they had a wonderful president at that time who I still connect with every couple months. Uh, he's no longer there anymore, but it, it was a, a joy to go out there and to visit them. And it was like, it was honestly like a breakup during that time of leaving CrossFit and questioning it because I was, you know, thinking how drastic is this going to impact my life? But I know I do not want to keep going forward. There's something different there. So I kind of muddled through forcing myself for a couple months. And then I realized, no, this is really not what I want to do anymore. So I took this like total leap of faith and I signed up for 
that's an interesting race. It was in Disney World. And it was a, they call it the Dopey Challenge because it was very much so that. Uh, I figured, A, if I was going to be making this decision to make a really different change in the way of what I did sport-wise, that it needed to be something that was going to be, you know, in a good, happy place. So why not Disney World? Uh, and I'd never been before. So the first day of this race was a 5K. The next day was a 10K. The third day was a half marathon. And the last day was a marathon. So I don't know what that is. I think it's like 78 kilometers when it's all said and done. Um, and I went and I absolutely enjoyed it. It was something very different. Uh, if I'm being totally honest, I didn't tell Reebok too much about what I was up to. And I ran in my CrossFit shoes. <laughs> and they still to this day were like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I had like no understanding. I was like, this is severely embarrassing. I mean, they were like those those Netcon like nanos and yeah. um I crossed the finish line and I sent it to my, you know, major contacts that you would say and I was like, ah, I wanted to try something different and I knew they'd be upset if I didn't wear Reebok. But I knew they'd know if I wore different Reebok shoes, something that I was up to that was not CrossFit. So a good lesson in transparency and honesty, because <laughs> immediately they were like, A, this is huge. Congratulations. Can we do three features on Reebok.ca about this transition? We're in love with it. Congratulations. So I had no reason to be concerned, which truthfully is a large part, I think, in life that we just work ourselves up and there's no reason to. Uh, and I've learned that through experience. And then second of all, what the heck are on your feet? And I was like, oh, I wore the black shoes, thought they'd look great. And they're like, no, no, no. Those are like the nanos. Like we do box jumps in those. They're not recommended for anything more than a 5K. And I'm like, well, I did a 5K the first day. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of how the story went. And then, uh, yeah, that that transition happened really darn quick. I think I signed up the next year for the Diaz Vista 50K. And okay, so jumped right into it. I jumped right in. Yeah, and I wore different shoes for that. They, they sent out trail <laughs> running shoes. <laughs> I didn't even know Reebok had trail running shoes. Uh, but, yeah, so it went just like that. And I realized um, I'd actually had a Bernese Mountain Dog at the time. And uh, I I knew that, so I got the Bernese in 2016 and uh, really started to recognize that, like, I couldn't live those three hours a day at the gym. So there was a couple things that were pulling me out of it and that I needed to be outside. And he was an outside dog. Uh, he needed movement, not sitting in the gym attached to, you know, like, probably a tire and then going for a big walk afterwards and all of that and like being a gym dog like no that's not what they want to do uh so he was a huge catalyst for me being like I'm just gonna get into the trails and then I started to fall in love with trail running and it's that simple it totally is <laughs> you get in the trails and you're like you know what as you said before I worked myself up over nothing mm -hmm. um and that's such a common theme again like I'm sure you've seen the Laura Green, nobody cares thing. Like this yeah. fear that everybody else cares so much about what you're doing is so untrue. And I found after you have kids, for some reason, that concept is so much easier because I think you have this new perspective on focusing outside of your own self because they obviously make you far less or so far more selfless, I guess. Yeah. I want to say that. So you have this new perspective of oh, nobody, everybody's a center of their own universe. And even a sponsor is not, their biggest focus isn't what you're doing. And people 
hopefully, maybe just in our communities, do genuinely want each other to be happy too. And that should come into play. So I love that they responded like that because that is a brand that I love and I didn't want to have to boycott them. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're so right. Like I think when we make, I think in athleticism, uh, okay, so we were, this is a funny story in terms of just like connecting this, but we have a neighbor that lives beside us. We were cutting a tree over the weekend that's mutually on our property. Um, she had said, uh, you know, so she came from an Olympic background, uh, went to Greece, went to London, uh, raced both of those uh, triathlon wise. And it was just such a really interesting comment that she made over the weekend. She said, you know, I missed out on a lot in life uh, in way of, and I just, I like, I stopped and I was like, it was so vulnerable of her, A, to like, I mean, we passed each other. Hey, good morning. How are you? You know, like, we've never really talked outside of that. And it just, it like, it brought this deeper sense of, I think in sport, something that is so important, like, it's so important to trace, chase your goals and chase your dreams. But I think that you hit it spot on. It's like, make it about something bigger. And always, it actually feels even more rewarding when we make it something bigger than ourselves, right? So you bring up your son and the fact that it is a lot easier to, you know, gain a foundation of like, nobody really cares too much. <laughs> when when you've got that hone in of like, you know, family is number one, you are number one, uh, your close friends, all of that type of thing. And, and people genuinely just want you to be happy. And so when she sent this to me, it just really tied into the fact of, I think when we're able to look at, and I'll use sport or something that we're working towards in way of our own professional or personal development, it's like make it about something bigger. And my sister went through an awful time of severe plantar fasciitis. We were praying as a family that she'd be able to walk down the aisle at her wedding with my dad by her side. And uh, I used to use that as a huge catalyst when I was running. Because I'd be like, oh my gosh, how long have I been out here for? You know, the things that go through your head when you're out there for that many hours. And I was like, I'm running because she can't. And so I think when we're able to like give what we're working towards a greater purpose to make it bigger than ourselves, I think that there's a lot we can learn from that. Yes, absolutely. Because that is sort of the key foundation. Wow, this is going to be a major tangent. But that's the idea behind like AA and all these huge things that change people's perspective in life is deciding that, you know, it's not about what you're doing yourself. It's this greater purpose, um, which also is kind of what you were finding with your speaking, right? That nobody is going to walk away and actually change because they're super impressed that you want to race, but they're going to leave remembering how you made them feel, which is, is again, something that I think is hard to find and probably why you are so talented as a speaker. Um, so I'm wondering your goals with that. What are you hoping to do because you are the same age as me. So there's lots of oh, speaking left. Like what are your big goals with this and how do you want to impact people? I am sitting in an extremely foreign and uncomfortable spot at the moment because I'm writing my first ever book. And this will be a book that comes out uh, June 2024 with a soft launch then and a bigger perspective uh, September 2024. So I have been, can I be honest, I'm literally living what is my most uncomfortable uh, 
experience, <laughs> I can, you know, relate back to telling you, like, you know, we, I, I cheered you on as I passed you in that 100K at Wham um, last September. And here I am telling you that, like, a book feels even scarier um, than that type of race, right? And people might be wondering if my marbles are all intact. But, um, no, I but, get that for okay. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, I can talk, like, no, tomorrow. I asked you, I'm like, how long do we have? Because I don't want to talk your ear off. Um, but, uh, but yeah, writing does not feel like a strong point to me. And, um, you know, a lot of authors will go the route of having a ghostwriter, which I think is fantastic. And at the same time, I'm, I literally sat in it for months when I made this decision to write a book. And I was like, no, I'm actually going to write it. Like, uh, what else in my life am I going to sit down and really put, you know, I, I actually write on paper, so I'm going to say pen to paper. Uh, I will obviously have to submit it in a document form uh, for all the editor pieces of it. But, um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's the next part in my career, if I can, and if I can say that in a way of like where my trajectory is going, because when I'm working with teams on stage or when I'm working, uh, you know, one-on-one in an office setting with a group, I am really excited to see their transformations and to watch them have those aha moments. But I'm not leaving them with anything besides the thoughts that are in their head. I'm not leaving them with, you get what I mean, right? Like I'm not leaving them with a book to say, Hey, here is the work you're going to have to put in. Contact me or I'm going to contact you in two months. And I'm going to see how this is going. Because as much as the book is a book, it's also a work book as well, because I want people to go through these processes for themselves and to figure out like, where are those distractions? Um, you know, what are those goals? How are we going to minimize that noise? Where are you sitting in a spot that is far too comfortable that you've sat in for far too long? And so I want to be able to give people something to take away that is greater than just that hour working with them on stage. You're actually right. And I find that it goes both ways. I sometimes get these emails that are so beautifully written about people that want to share stories and I will be brought to tears in the emails. And then when they want to speak about it, articulating it out loud is quite challenging. And it's still a great story. It still comes off great, but you can tell that their natural flow kind of is in, is in pen to paper. So it's funny how it's like your brain kind of works one way or the other. Yeah, it's, it is incredible just to see that, uh, that we really do have strengths. Like when we always say like work to your strengths, um, there's a reason I got in broadcasting is because I can talk (laughs) to this capacity. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that writing piece is a challenge and, and I love to be inspired by those people that you're mentioning that write emails that can make you tear up because I don't think I would have that ability, but here goes nothing. Oh, I love that. I'm I'm excited for that because it feels like everything that you've taken on in your life, you've had like some success with, or it's almost come easy in a way, not to say that you haven't taken on huge challenges, but that they were kind of finding things in your wheelhouse. So it's cool to hear that you're going to try something that you feel uncomfortable with. Thank you. And you know, even to back that up, I would say that, so my fiance and I went to Nepal last fall, uh, September and October, and we uh, climbed, we did two, two um, I guess you call them summits, so we did uh, uh, Labuche, and our, our goal was Amadeblam, which is a stunning, stunning mountain, uh, and about 6,800 meters high, just shy of 6,900 meters, um, and 
I was given my biggest, like always, and I don't know if you can relate to this, Hillary, but do you have friends that are like, do you have a limit? Like, do you ever find your limit or do you just keep going? Do you have friends that ask you that question? Sometimes, but some of my friends are like Katie, where I'm like, yeah, but I'm nothing compared to my friends. (laughs) (laughs) And that's beautiful because that's who we surround ourselves with to keep pushing, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I hear you entirely. And so with regards to Nepal, I was given um, really my first ever... um, like you cannot move forward. Like my feet were stuck in cement. I did the summit, uh, 6,200 meters up Labuche and felt quite a bit of the acclimatization or pardon me, acute mountain sickness, AMS that it's mm. referred to. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. came back down to what would have been like the elevation of, I think it was 5,300 meters and continued on, went to Emma de Blanc base camp, did a couple rotations to go up and uh, get to camp one. And uh, I got my ass kicked. Like I hit my limits. I remember being at camp one on our summit push. There's three camps to get to the top. And uh, I mean, at this point, you've been sleeping for four weeks and I'm totally without a shower. Um, my fiance asked me to marry him uh, at Emma de Blanc base camp after four to five weeks of no showers. And so I was awesome. like, gosh, it's good. We love each other. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, needless to say, you know, we were at camp one and that was the 5,300 meters up, um, and, uh, or 58, pardon me. And I was sleeping during that night while attempting to sleep. We went to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon to start with our summit push again at about 4 a.m. that morning. And he woke me up many times that night and said, you know, like you're not breathing. And I was having to struggle with breathing. Um, my resting heart rate was a 120 while I was trying to sleep. It was oh extremely goodness. nauseous. And so in that moment, and I remember meeting, reaching out to our mutual friend, Megan, and I was in tears. Like once I got back into signal, I was in tears because I felt I had failed. And here is like, you know, somebody who goes on stage and speaks about this and failure is first attempt at living, you know, and or in living, pardon me, is usually what I say is that reference to reference fail. And I couldn't even own up to that myself. And I was just you know, a basket case. And I told my fiance to keep pushing on and please do not stop. Like if you're healthy, you got to go, I'll go back to base camp. And I did because I was just so sick and I hit that limit. And it was a really interesting moment because I had to reverse what I work with clients with on a day-to-day basis, which is what I call something called race face. And it's the system. And I had to literally walk myself through it of like, okay, what can we celebrate here? What didn't work? What do we need to course correct? Uh, And yeah, I mean, you know, you travel halfway across the world to do this one summit and it doesn't define you. It's, It's all about the experience. And that's really what I took home from it is, you know, I found my limit at that point in time. And, uh, and truthfully back to what we've talked about this whole podcast, it's so funny, but like, nobody really cares. Like, did I, <laughs> you know, I got back to base camp and my parents were like, thank goodness you're alive. And I was like, thank goodness I am alive. <laughs> but you know what people do care about is they don't care where that limit was, but that you reached it. Because most people, and we talk about this and why people are drawn to endurance sports, specifically like a Wham 100 type thing, because most people never get to a limit. They never get to feel what that's like. They never get to get curious about it and they never get to push past it. So it doesn't matter how far you made it. It was that you got to get to that edge and 
actually get far enough along that you couldn't go any farther. And that's probably the most inspiring part of that story. You're so right. And we had a group message in a WhatsApp group uh, that we would just reach out to everybody in our family and our closest of friends. We sent one message every couple of days just so they knew like, hey, we're good. And there was not one of those messages that it is not exactly what you're telling me right now, where it was like, you found it. That is freaking awesome. You know, so and like Connor went on and he pushed to the top and he summited and, you know, did fantastic. And, and it's just like, it's so cool because they're two completely different experiences, but the responses were both incredibly supportive. And I think that's what we forget from time to time. And it's always a really good reminder. Yes. And it's always the stuff that that's just what you want other people to to do is to try things, push their boundaries, because then they're going to be willing to make mistakes and to make greater steps when you come back to the corporate world. And also athletically, if you're coaching clients or talking to friends is that, you know, that cheesy quote about a high tide raises all boats or something. That's sort of the idea that happens. (laughs) Yeah. So you are right. You are very good at speaking. And we blew through that time so fast because I was very interested in what you were just saying. I just had to check the clock like six times. I'm like, no way. Have we what time are we at? Oh, 2.25. Yeah. I've spoken for 50 minutes already. And I'm I'm loving this. would love to see you speaking, actually. Um, I will happily invite you to one that is in town. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. So if you could leave our listeners with like one of your favorite quotes or pieces of advice or something that you refer to yourself when you're in a tough moment um, for Wham, as an example, is that the first hundred K you've done? That was the first hundred. Yes. And I absolutely loved it. Okay. And so that is a very challenging hundred K to do it, especially as your first one. So congratulations on that. And we'll have to chat again to get into kind of the depths of your racing, but this was awesome. Anyways, back to my question. Your one kind of go-to when you're in that pain cave, um, what do you what do you refer to? Can I just say as well, this is like unfair. I feel like I need to start back up my podcast because I want to interview you about the exact same things you're asking me. <laughs> so oh, we awesome. might have to do like a role reversal where my broadcast cat comes back on. And <laughs> I would love that. That'd be so fun. Okay, because I want to hear the exact same from you because um, I got to pass you in that race and you were absolutely flying and so strong and so focused and. I just was like fangirling as I saw both you and Katie. And I was like, when I actually looped back to the spot where I waved at you, I realized how far ahead you both were. And I was like, wow, like they're done by this (laughs) point that I just read five hours ago. But uh, while I (laughs) proceed to say that, I'll let you know in everything in life at the moment, for the last probably three years, it is a saying that comes from one of my girlfriends uh, and she just did her first 118. I think it was the death race last year. And when we were training together, because I was getting ready for wham, uh, she used these three words, four words, forward is a pace. And I've applied that to everything. So whether it yeah. be movement, whether it be in my career, um, booking events, uh, everything. I mean, <laughs> even the wedding we're planning, you know, like if I get a seating chart done forward is the pace. Yes, totally. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I like that. And you're right. It does apply to everything, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Okay. Very last question. Cause I have to ask everybody, if you could describe trail running in three words, what would they be? Oh, the best feeling. <laughs> <laughs> 
head. I, it's so funny how some people's brains go to like three separate words and other people are like, they got to go together. <laughs> I was like, I can't say I love you. Cause you know how you always hear like the three words. <laughs> so we'll go with the best feeling. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So if our listeners want to find more of you, uh, Plug all your stuff, website, Instagram, email, whatever you want to tell us. Go for it. Absolutely. So a uh, website where you can find all of the information, all of the means and ways of contacting, whether it be LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, that is mandygill.com. And you're so sweet for asking. Thank you for that. Okay, awesome. And I will link to all of that in the show notes. And good luck on your book. Let me know when it's out. We'll definitely plug it on the podcast. And I'm sure I'll see you again in the trail soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you, Hillary. This has been so much fun.